hearts up to your word. And Holy Spirit, we just ask you to speak to us. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God, everybody. Thank you, Landon. I tell you, this church is, um, you know, this is an equipping church. If you're new to the congregation, there's a lot that happens between Sundays. And uh, my encouragement to you is to get involved. You know, we don't do everything perfect, so I'm not sure that there are any church that is, but we have a, we have a great team that really cares about uh, doing our best to equip you in all the seasons of your life and your family also. So I've been really excited about preaching this. This is, uh, uh, today is just a classic sermon that um, is on the most well-known story of David's life. Um, It's the story of David and Goliath. And I've just been so thrilled about this um, because I think it's just like a, well, it's like a preacher's dream to be able to talk through this incredible, miraculous story. I'm setting it up already and you're gonna be disappointed, but I, I will tell you right now, I'm gonna have more fun preaching this than you are going to hearing it. You know, um, most, this is the most well-known story in the history of the world. Uh, you know, undermatched uh, athletes, you know, they use this story all the time, don't they? I mean, those of you that are college basketball fans, you know March Madness is about to happen. And every year there's the David versus Goliath story of some little obscure university that takes down a, a 14 or a 15 seed and they're like, the David slew Goliath. I think because it's such an incredible story, we as believers, we kind of yawn over it a little bit and maybe we miss some things that are so powerful. We are, we are in the middle of this series called Walking with the Giants and we today are gonna talk about the slaying of the giant, Goliath. But you know, there really are two, there really are two giants in this story. One's over nine foot tall, and the other one's probably about my height, about five foot nine. One has biceps that are just humongous and a sword that we couldn't even lift if we wanted to, but the other has a huge heart and a giant faith. I, I would like for us to pay more attention to the little guy than the big guy, because the little guy, he is an example of who we are in Christ. I'll just say this to everybody. Every one of us have a little bit of David inside of us. This is the reason why we're teaching through the life of David. And I wish that you would so much, I so much wish that you would embrace what God has to say to you today through uh, this message. And, you know, I think the best thing for us to do is just to get into the story. I know most of you know it. If you grew up in church, you've probably heard it a hundred times. If you have children, you've probably told them the story. But I think it would be good for us to get a good perspective because I always refuse to assume that when I'm talking to you on a Sunday morning that everybody knows the biblical stories as they exist. And most of us hear headlines, but we don't know a lot of it. This is why we really encourage you to be a student of the word, read through the Bible, get familiar with the word of God. And um, 
So I'm, instead of taking something for granted, let's talk through it. What I want to do is uh, talk through this story, and then we're going to make application for our lives. You know, the Bible is, is amazing in that it, it, that it speaks metaphorically so much. The Old Testament stories, they have such a powerful meaning. Jesus spoke in parables so much. He spoke metaphorically so that we can apply it to our lives. And the Bible never stops speaking. It, it, it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, it never stops speaking. And God's gonna speak to you today. I just know that he is going to speak to you. I hope that your heart is ready to receive this. First thing I wanna do, this, is, this story is found in 1 Samuel chapter 17. The entire chapter is about this story. And uh, I taught last week in 1 Samuel 16 about the calling of David. If you remember, we talked about the difference between Saul's heart his attitude towards himself, towards God, versus David's heart and his, and, and his calling. But when you come to chapter uh, 17, um, you find the whole story that the Philistines, um, who are enemies of the Israelites, they had marched, initiated a battle, really, in the Valley of Elah. Now, let me show you a map, okay? So this will help you get an idea. If you can see this, so this is, this is ancient Israel. Here's the Dead Sea. That's the Jordan River, the Jordan Valley. This is the coastal region of the Mediterranean Sea. And in this area right, right here is what's called the Shephelah. That's just an area of foothills. This is all coastal plains. This is uh, the hill country, the high places. Israel, at that time, mostly is inhabiting in this area. Well, the Philistines march into, through the Shephelah, which is the foothills, very fertile. Everybody was always fighting over that land. They marched through that area. And in the Shephelah, which is about 30 miles here, this is an area that's the foothills of going into the higher rain, um, terrain. There are six valleys that run this way. One of those valleys is called the Valley of Elah. So the Philistines march. Um, Saul and his army are in these uh, hills, and that's where the showdown happens. In fact, some of you uh, went with me when we took a trip to Israel not long ago, and we went to the actual valley where this battle happened. I'll show you what it looks like. I have a picture of it, everybody. So this is the actual Valley of Elah. And so Saul's army was over in these hills, and I'm sorry, um, the Philistines were over in this area, and Saul's army was here. Well, all this happened in this valley. In fact, those of you that were with us, you remember we even looked at a creek that runs through this valley and picked up little rocks. And um, they encouraged us not to put them in your pocket and take them home, because if every if every visiting group takes their rocks, then there'll just be nothing but a mud hole left there. But we did, so we picked up these rocks. And so when, <laughs> when the battle happened, <laughs> when the battle happened, this is in this valley, you can just imagine the Philistine army retreating and running all the way through here and getting out of Dodge. Very interesting uh, story here. So there are two armies that are encamped on opposite hills. And on the first morning of this confrontation, it says that the armies of Saul presented themselves. 
You know what, you know what they're fighting over is that who, whoever won this uh, battle would have access to all of the most fertile ground. So this is very, this was very, um, it was a huge advantage for whoever would take the land. And so, in fact, let's just read in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse eight. So Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. So it says that in the morning, Saul and his army let out a, a, a battle cry and they rushed down into the valley. The Philistine army let out their battle cry and they rushed down in the army and then they're just staring at one another. And while they were staring at one another, barking and yelling and trying to intimidate one another, then this massive of a champion steps out and he roars across uh, the valley to the Israelites. And he says to them, why are you all coming out to fight? I am the Philistine champion but you are only the servants of Saul. Now you gotta kinda catch that because he's basically saying, y'all are a bunch of slaves, but we are military people and I'm the champion. And so he says, choose a man to come and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. If I kill him, uh, you will be our slaves. And look what he says in verse 10, I defy the armies of Israel today. Send a man who will fight me. And when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. So I find this so interesting because Saul was terrified and deeply shaken. And boy, how the mighty have fallen. Because Saul, whenever he was anointed as king, he was head and shoulders above anybody. Remember we read last week, there was no one like him in all of Israel. Instead of Saul standing up and saying, I'm going to take him on. I am the king. I am head and shoulders. At least I am the best that Israel has to offer. He's hiding and shaking in his boots. When you, when you read this story, you find that the insult and the defiance of Goliath, this giant, um, goes on through the entire chapter. In fact, when you come to verse 17, you'll find that, that David shows up on the battlefield. Now, if you are a long-term Christian lifer, you will remember a sermon I preached years ago, and it had to do with David toting the cheese. And we talked about how that David, he wasn't looking for a fight, he was just being obedient. And so his father sends him, David, the youngest, who's with the sheep, this is a 40-day standoff, and he sends David with some bread and some cheese and says to David, well, let's just, let's just read it. It's verse 17. One day, Jesse said to David, I want you to take this basket of roasted grain and this lo these loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and give these 10 cuts of cheese to their captain." See how your brothers are getting along and bring me back a report. So this is going on and on. Jesse's an old man. Three of his sons are there and he wanted to find out what's going on. So he sends David. So David brings the cheese. You notice that he's kind of patting the captain's um, favor a little bit. Give, give the captain a, some extra cheese and maybe he won't put my sons out in the front of the battle. 
That's what's going on. He's manipulating a little bit. So David shows up. He toasts the cheese. And he's there talking to his brothers, three of them. Remember last week his brothers were overlooked by the prophet Samuel who anointed David, who wasn't even in the room. If you didn't hear that message, you should go back and listen to it uh, from last week. And verse 20, it says that David arrived at the camp and just as the Israelite army was leaving the battlefield, leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. So every morning, this is comical to me, but every morning they would act like they're gonna do something and they would muster up a shout and they'd go running out, rushing, trying to uh, intimidate the Philistines But then Goliath just stands out there again and he defies the army. Well, while this is happening, David sees this for the first time and he's like, what is going on here? Now here's this young guy. Listen, everybody, don't miss this because this is this young guy who knows what other people don't know, that he's been anointed to replace Saul. He's been anointed by the prophet. He will be the next king of Israel. He knows it already. And here's this young guy out there, and Goliath is defying the armies of the Lord and defying God, and David's like, what is going on? And he's thinking, how can this be happening? And so he begins to ask, is it the king offering some kind of a great prize to the one who takes that giant down? I don't think it was because David wanted the money. I think he was like, Can't we find anybody that's willing to give it a shot? I mean, offer him some money, do something. And so David asked, verse 26, what will the man get for killing this Philistine? But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. He's like, what are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What what about those sheep you're supposed to be taking care of if you notice He said, what about those few little sheep, shepherd boy, baby brother? Don't you need to scurry back to them? I know you're here just because you're nosy. Get on back. Well, he's talking to the next king. Come on, everybody. Are you with me? I want you to see this. And so... I love what David says. Like, you, you kind of get this feeling of this sibling rival, don't you, everybody? Because in the scripture, he goes, what have I done now? Uh, have you ever had your brother or your sister ever, you know? It's like, now what have I done? But this is basically what he's saying. Now what have I done? And he said, I'm only asking a question. That sounds like two brothers, doesn't it? So Eliam was so unhappy. It probably only reinforce this conflict that I talked about last week in that now David's showing up and he just does not want, I mean, this is the oldest brother. He's got the birthright. He's supposed to be the head of the family. And now the baby brother, the smallest one of them all, who some people think might've been illegitimate, is now putting his nose out there where he doesn't want, the oldest brother doesn't want it to belong. We'll come back and talk about that in a few minutes. Well, when David started asking around, some, one of the servants of Saul heard David and they, and, uh, and they went to Saul and said, well, there's one guy who might be interested in doing this. And David's like, 
And Saul's like, bring that boy here. So he brings David to him. And Saul takes one look at him and says, you're kidding, right? Really, this is, this is in the Hebrew. You're kidding, right? He's like, look at you, boy. He's like, this guy is nine foot tall. He is a champion. He, look at him. And you're just a pretty little guy. You're just so cute. I mean, you play your guitar and write your songs and we're so proud of you, but are you kidding? And David's, David's like, but king, I've got experience slaying giants. He said, when I was watching my daddy's sheep, the lion came out and I killed the lion and I took the sheep out of the lion's mouth. It happened again with the bear. I did the same thing. And he says, that doesn't intimidate me. The God who delivered me from the mouth of the lion and the bear will deliver me from this pagan Philistine. Well, what could Saul say about that? He's like, well, okay. So he said, we'll give you a shot. And so he, he took his armor and he put it on David a bronze helmet, a coat of mail. He even gave him his sword. And David's like, what is this? And he puts it all on. And then he tries to move around a bit. He's like, I can't do this. So he takes it off. He goes, I haven't tested this. I can't do this. I'm not going. I'm telling you what, there's a whole sermon just about that. We'll talk about it some. But I want you to know that David was relying upon God, not the best equipment that Israel had to offer. You ought to say amen, everybody. So your servant has killed a lion and a bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And so after he took off Saul's armor, we pick up at verse 40, he picked up, Five smooth stones. There still were a bunch of stones in the, in the creek bed back then. And he picked up five smooth stones from the stream and put them in his shepherd's bag. And then, he, then armed only with a shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Somebody say, whoa. I, I, hope, that you're, I hope your mind is working right now and you are vividly picturing the scene here. Um, and sure enough, in verse 41, Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at the ruddy face. Boy, by the way, some of the folks that really believe that this is just a fable, it's just a kid's story, do you, do you know there are conditions that still exist today that... Uh, cause people to grow continually. In fact, the, the largest person, I forget the name of it, there's a scientific name for it, y'all can Google it and tell me later, but the, the, the tallest person in recent history that's been measured was seven foot 12, almost eight foot tall. These people do exist and, and they're quite clumsy and they're not, you know, but there are people that, that some of you think, well, this, this couldn't be true. It could be true. 
I don't believe it's a fable. I think this is a true story. I think David killed Goliath, and I believe he cut off his head. Hallelujah. So Goliath walked out towards David, and his shield bearer was ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. And he said, am I a dog? He roared at David. Did you come at me with a stick? He's talking about his shepherd's staff. And he cursed David by the name, names of his gods. And he said, come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. And David replied to this Philistine, I love this boy. I'm gonna tell you there's a lot of David in most of us that are in here. I want you to hear this. David replied to the Philistine and said, spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of the heavens armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Look, he's not finished. And he says, today the Lord will conquer you and I will cut off, I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Come on, lift a shout up everybody. And everyone assembled here, he said, everyone assembled here on that hill and on that hill, Everyone that's in this valley, they will know that the Lord rescues his people, not with sword and spear, because the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you to us. This is just the little guy that came out there toting the cheese. And now he is shouting down the giant. Oh, let's just read. Verse 48, and Goliath moved closer to attack. David quickly ran to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out one of those five stones. He hurled the sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down to the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. He left Saul's sword in the camp. So then David ran over, pulled out Goliath's big old sword, and he whack, cut off Goliath's head after he killed him. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, their headless giant was laying in the valley, they turned and they ran. Glory to God, everybody. David killed Goliath. All right, now, let's break it down. We let the Bible speak to us today, everybody. And a few things that the Lord was just downloading to me for my personal life and to share with you is this. Number one, we all have giant problems in our life. And a giant problem is an obstacle that's bigger than you and me. I want you to see that. And so there are things in your life 
that you would never be able to defeat in your own strength, with your own wisdom, with your own resources. And God does allow you to show up in the valley of that kind of a challenge. Here's the second thing I want you to see, because we all have giants. A giant problem is something in your life that mocks or defies the power and the presence of God in your life. It's a mocking spirit that operates. And you're like, why is this existing in my life or in my household? Well, that giant was meant to be killed. Here's the third thing. A giant, a giant problem that we often deal with, it is something that is often used by God to force us into battle, to force us into action. And I am quite confident that this room is filled with people that you're staring with, you're staring at some impossible giants in your life that you can't win on your own. And they are defying and threatening the relationship that you have with God. And those giants did not come to stay. Those giants are there to be killed. And God wants you to run to the battle and kill them. And so giants only fall when they are confronted by faith. And everything that's taunting or haunting you, it will continue to taunt and haunt until you destroy it and overcome. There are some things that need to fall and there are some things that you need to capitate to make sure they don't ever come back in your life. And this is a prophetic word for some of you today. And I wanna talk to you about the, the characteristics of giant killers in our day, okay? So I'm gonna give you, you know, David picked up five stones. Let me give you five giant killers for today, okay? Five realities. These are the things that, that people who know how to kill giants, these are the things that they know. And so let's start with number one. Giant killers know that God uses the weak things to shame the strong. God uses the weak things to shame the strong. Giant killers do not get distracted or they don't get crippled by the reality that they're just a little person or that they don't have the experience that the super prophets do, that they don't know the word of God that much. Giant killers are not hesitating by looking at their weakness. I want you to see this, everybody. I, I'm gonna reread what what I started with last week for you. 1 Corinthians 1.26, for consider your calling brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Look. He did this, verse 29 says, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. So it's God's design to use you, little old you and little old me, 
if we could just come to faith about the reality of our calling. I'm just telling you, you weren't just called to exist, you were called to slay giants. And when you come to realize that there is an anointing upon you, remember what God's desire was to have for himself? Not a kingdom that where there was a king and there was an order of priests, but God's desire is through Jesus Christ and the power of the resurrection and the infilling of the Holy Spirit that he would have for himself a kingdom of priests, a kingdom of rulers, not just one king, but we all are called into, I'm just telling you, we all are called into the battle. We are all called to be victorious. We all should be ruling and reigning in this life and we should be operating as kings and priests in the day and age that we live in. So he calls and uses the weak things to shame the strong. David was not a mighty warrior. He was a songwriter. I mean, he's a sheep-tending musician, and I've got to be really careful, you know, right now, but I'm telling you, if I was going out to battle to face a giant, I'm not, look, you know, you know, I'm not looking for the pep band at high school. I want the football players. And I don't even want the defensive backs or the running backs or the wide receivers. I want the big uglies. Now, now we, had, we have a nice, beautiful worship team. And I'm not saying these men aren't godly or that these men are not masculine or these men are not tough enough. But you know what? If I was taking some men in this church I want all of the military guys that I have in here. I want all the cops that are in here. I want all the wrestlers from high school that are in here. I want somebody who knows how to use a gun. I'm going to rally all them. I'm not looking for the musicians or the songwriters. Unless maybe they're Paul or Elisha. I might take them. Is anybody listening to me today? But God is not like a man. He doesn't look on the outward appearance. If he did, you have no chance. God looks at the heart, and there's a little bit of David in every one of us, and your calling is not to run from the enemy, it's to run into the battle. All right. When Goliath looked at David, he wouldn't he see? He saw that he was, not, he was, he, he was, a little, he was nothing more than a little boy glowing with health, and he was handsome, and the, the giant despised him. That's number one. Giant killers know that God uses the weak to shame the strong. Here's number two. Giant killers know that God sees what others can't. God sees what others can't. When, when God looks at you, he doesn't see a weak little coward. He sees a champion. You say, well, really? Is that what God sees? Yes, because you know what? God looks through the eyes of the sun and he knows that the sun has, has become your victory and that our triumph is through Christ. And that because he has triumphed, we are triumphant. And because of the power of the Holy Spirit, there's nothing the enemy can do to stop us from being what God has called us to be. And there are a lot of people that can't see who you are. I think about this when I was meditating on this. 
You know, I, I know that, that people can't see what God sees. Sometimes your family can't see it. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to stir up strife in your family. I'm just saying sometimes your family can't see who you are in Christ. And they don't value who you are in Christ. Sometimes there's an older brother or a number two brother, a number three brother, a number five brother, another six brother, a number seven brother. He got a lot of brothers and none of them respected him. Even his dad sends him to tote the cheese. This guy's anointed to be the king. And his dad's got him back there with the shepherd. I'd have had that boy out on the front line. But his dad didn't see it. His brothers didn't see it. But God saw it. And I think sometimes we're so easily discouraged when our families are not supporting who we are and what God has called us to do. And sometimes they will battle through every little thing you try to do for God. They scoff, they complain, they're not with you. Let me tell you something. You don't need your family to approve of what God has done in your life. You just need to be faithful to what God has done and he will promote you he will take you from toting cheese to slaying giants. You just need to be available to God. I'm gonna tell you something else. Not only does your family not see it, sometimes your spiritual leaders are missing it. I'm one of them. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, if you are relying upon me to be your cheerleader and to recognize everything that God is doing in your life and, and I have to release you into it, how can I? I mean, I admire a lot of what God has done in everybody, but I'm just telling you, I never had anybody in my life that told me, you can do something great for God. And I always felt like I didn't measure up. I'm first generation Christians, I didn't know the word of God. I'm not six foot four, I'm five foot nine. I'm not very smart, but you know what? God saw something in me that my spiritual leaders didn't see in me, and I'm glad I relied upon God and not my spiritual leader. Now, next week, we'll talk about the dangers of rebelling against spiritual authority. But for right now, you can just amen me. Okay? I'm going to give you another one. Y'all want another one? I'm just telling you, God sees something in you that your enemies can't see. I'm just telling you, and God loves it that way. Because when your enemy is taunting and threatening and trying to strike fear in your heart, the Holy Ghost down deep inside of you is saying, don't be moved by their doubts. Don't be moved by their threats. Don't be moved by their unbelief. Take your stand because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Don't run from your enemies. Run into this battle. I told you I was going to have more fun preaching this than you were going to get receiving it. I just want you to see this, that when, God, when Goliath came against the Israelites, most of the soldiers, they looked at him and they go, he's so big. We can never kill him. David looks at him and says, he's so big. How could I ever miss? <laughs> what do giant killers see? I'm gonna tell you, here's number three. Giant killers know that, it's, that they better not try to fight with someone else's armor. God did not call you to be like me and he did not call me to be like you. You have a unique skill set, giftings. God has called you to be where you are in the valley that you are located in. 
He has not called you to walk in my shoes. It doesn't mean that my journey is more important to your, than yours. It doesn't mean that I'm bearing more fruit than you, you are because I'm maybe speaking to hundreds of people weekly. Listen to me, everybody. Don't put on somebody else's armor. You use what God has given you, which you find is successful. You are resourced by the Lord himself. David armed himself with five stones and a, and a, and a slingshot. Now, this isn't like a, like a Walmart slingshot, you know. This, this was a deadly weapon. This, this was a sling that had a pouch and two straps of, of leather. And he put a stone in that thing and they started twirling that thing. And I mean, I'm talking about six revolutions a second. And when they let go of that thing, they, I mean, there, there are historical records that show that slingers were some of the most intimidating and dangerous people on the battlefield because they, could, they, they, they were accurate enough to knock birds out of the sky. They, 200 feet, they could, they could pinpoint, with, with pinpoint accuracy, they could kill their enemies. And I just, I don't know, in the back of my mind, I don't know if this is true, but I just see David, he spent a lot of time with a sheep around a whole bunch of stones. And I'm just thinking, you know, when he got tired of playing his guitar and writing songs, I mean, you can't do that 24-7. <laughs> well, when he got tired of it, and he's watching for the wolves and the lions and the bears, I just think he practiced a lot. If it was me, that's what I'd be doing. I'd be pecking off every little thing I could find. I'd be, I'd be out there just being as accurate as I could. I think, personally, I think this is how he killed the lion and the bear. I think he whopped them upside the head. He knocked them crazy and then he went over there and he took the sheep out of his mouth and then he killed the lion and the bear after he knocked them silly. And I think that's why he looked at this big old giant, this big old gapping forehead, and he's like, let me at him. How can I miss? Because he was willing to use what God had given him. This is another thing that's very fascinating. In, in, in the valley of Elah where they were, the, the rocks there, they're made out of barium sulfate. I didn't know what this was until I studied it for you. But barium sulfate, it, they say that it has twice the density of the normals of normal stones. When, when he, he knew what he was doing, he picked out the stones he wanted. Somebody say, well, why did he get five? Did he think he was gonna miss? I think he got five because Goliath had four sons. And I think they were up on the hill. And I think the giant killing spirit that's in David is I'm gonna take down daddy and if they come after me, I'm gonna have to take them down too. So give me five for the price of one. It's just a thought. So I can't help but think about 1 Corinthians 10, 4, that the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of King Saul. I mean, are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Listen to this in the, in the living translation. The, the writer says, Paul says, I use God's mighty weapons, not those made by men. I use God's mighty weapons to knock down the devil's strongholds. There is a powerful message about spiritual warfare just in this point. Uh, giant killers know that you don't have to use or mimic what somebody else has done. You just need to obey the Lord. Listen to the Holy Spirit 
and come to faith that that giant has got to fall. Can you say amen, everybody? Okay, here's number four, giant killers. What do they know? Giant killers know that the battle is not theirs, the battle is the Lord's. The battle is not theirs, the battle is the Lord's. Unlike every other soldier on the battlefield, David did did not believe that Goliath was unbeatable. They all thought he was beatable. They they would run out with a battle cry. Goliath walks up, starts taunting. One of you, come on out here and fight me. And they're like, they run in with shouts of battle cry and they run out with shouts like a little scared baby. And this happened for 40 days. Four, zero, 40 days. And they did not believe that he was beatable. But I just can't help but I have to read this again. David said, look, you, you come to me with sword and spear. Are you kidding? I come to you in the name. We sang about that today. And I'm, this, I'm pregnant with this message while we were singing about that in worship today. And it's just coming alive inside of me while we were worshiping. Listen, this is why I encourage you. Get the word in you before you come to church. Get in the word. And when you worship, it will be just like the word that you've just been that, you, that you, you've been consuming comes alive in you and you sing it back to the Lord. That's what I was doing about his name today. It is through the power of his name that giants fall. He says, I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies and the armies of Israel. I, know, I, I notice how he's acknowledging that he's king. He's king in the heavens and on the earth. Today, the Lord will conquer you. And I will kill you, but the Lord will conquer you. I, I don't. That's good right there. Everybody, that's good. The Lord will conquer you, but I'm going to finish you off. I love this because God's been working in your life. Don't let the devil get up off the valley floor. I mean, put that thing to death. Stop arguing the same arguments. Stop fighting with the same people. Stop going back into the same addiction that God has conquered for you. When depression tries to overwhelm you, stop thinking the same thoughts. You you think positive thoughts about what God has done. You renew your mind because you are victorious. The Lord has conquered your enemies. Cut his head off. Okay. The battle is the Lord's. I said the battle is the Lord's. Remember this, everybody. Giant killers see what others cannot see, and they know what others do not know. And what we know is that the Lord is fighting on our behalf. And maybe it's taken 10 days, 20 days, 40 days. But at the right time, the Lord will conquer your enemy. But you gotta stay in faith about this. Let me give you one last one, everybody. Here's number five. What do giant killers know? Well, they know that you can't run from your battle. You must run towards your victory. You can't miss this, everybody. 
Goliath moved closer to David and he starts taunting and starts threatening. And I just love this. Verse 48 says, and David ran quickly out to meet him. (laughs) Whoa. I don't know, but I love this. David's not like walking slowly or trying to trick him, easing up. No, 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 no. He just grabs his sling and his stone and he's like, where? Okay, come at me, bro. And boom, he runs at, he runs at Goliath. <laughs> he's got his Magnum 45. And I mean, I mean, and he lets that thing go and he's just trusting, not just in his own skill, but he's trusting that the Lord is gonna direct that stone and whap right upside the head and he falls down. And then David, he doesn't sit back and say, called it. Look everybody, called it. He didn't turn around and say, Eliab. <laughs> Did you see that? You want me to go back to my few little sheep? I just knocked the giant down. He didn't do any of that. He didn't boast. God doesn't want his boasting in the flesh. He just ran a second time and pulled that big old sword out and cut off the giant's head. Everybody, I'm gonna say it again. Giant killers know that you can't run away from your battle. When that giant is defying you, I don't care if it's a bear, if it's lion, or if it's Goliath, giants were meant to be killed. You've gotta run at your battle and be aggressive in faith, and you gotta let it fly, everybody. I'm just telling you, what you are about to get into, I'm just telling you, the Lord is with you. Are you ready to buckle under the pressure, or do you want to kill the giants that you are facing? The Bible says that David got up and he ran into the army of the Philistines. And I just think that there's so many doubters in our lives that are keeping you held back. And you might even be doubting yourself. I don't know this, I've been dealing with this so long. I don't see any way out. Well, I'm I'm just telling you that you have a calling, you have a destiny. And if you have a giant that's standing in your way of the promises that God has given to you, you need to run, not away from it, but run towards your problem, and you need to let it fly. I'm just telling you, and you'll see the enemy buckle. Here's my last word for you today, everybody, that this message today is a prophetic call for some of you to stop allowing the giants in your life to defy the presence of God. God did not call you to be a slave to the defiant forces of hell that are operating in your life or your family. Stop running from your giants. Run towards your battle. Amen. All right, come on, let's stand up. Glory to God. Come on, I just think we, I I just, you know what I'd like to do is just celebrate with praise today. I know there might be some of you that are not right with God. Let me just say this to you. If, if you are not right with God and you're, and you're like, you know what? I need to give my heart to Jesus, full surrender. 
then there's an opportunity for you. After we are done worshiping here in just a minute, when we close the service, there'll be a team down here and somebody can lead you to Christ one-on-one. But today, I wish that all of us that are in the room would just pause for a moment and, and let's just celebrate that, that God's calling is on your life. And there's a little bit of David in every one of us. And, there, and if you haven't really faced an impossible giant in your life, get ready, it's coming. Because the enemy wants to destroy the work of God in your life and he wants to defy in you, in your family, what God has done. He wants to create doubt and he wants to conquer. You once were a slave to sin. That's why Paul says, why would you go back into slavery? You, you know, he, the Lord has slayed that giant, but now you gotta cut the head off. And so that, that was the battle. That's why they were so afraid. Because, because if David lost, then the Israelites would have been the Philistine slave. Think about that. But David's got this kingly anointing inside of him saying, we ain't gonna be a slave to nobody. God's not gonna let that happen. I'm in a covenant with my God. And I know the battle is the Lord's. And so I'm gonna conquer him because we will not be slaves to the Philistines. And some of you, I just want you to know that the Lord is tired of you acting like you are a slave, that you're in bondage, that you are controlled by the flesh or some past failure or some disappointment in your life or some addiction that keeps tripping you up. 2024 does not, be a, does not need to be a year of continued slavery or bondage. It needs to be a year of victory. I mean, your, your valleys ought to be littered with giants. I mean, the big one and all, the, all of the sons and daughters of them. You know, you, you just got to run to the battle. Don't run, stop running away from the enemy and face them head on. Some of you husbands and wives, you got to get down on your knees together and pray with one another and say, no, look, we are not going to live like this anymore. We're gonna come into victory. We're gonna, we, we, we are gonna slay our giants. We're not gonna let these giants stand between us. You, you, you need to sign up and come and let me and Carrie just talk to you about some of the battles that we face in the marriage conference that's coming up. You say, oh, I don't know, I'm scared to go that. It's gonna turn into a big fight. You need a fighting spirit, not with one another, but you need to fight the real enemy. That's who you gotta go after. Come on, everybody, we're walking with giants, and this little five-foot-nine musician slayed the biggest giant that you'll ever... If, if God can use him to do that, the Bible is speaking to us, God can use you to slay every giant in the valley of your life today. Come on, Sean, let's celebrate, can we? Let's celebrate and praise together, everybody. It's your name is the highest your name is the greatest in your name who oh, stands above them come on let's declare all thrones and dominions all thrones and dominions all powers and positions your name 